University Baptist Church is a faith community striving to think critically, live creatively, and love continually in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We gather on Sunday mornings at 5775 Highland Road between Lee Drive and Kenilworth Parkway. Visit ubc-br.org or at UBCBR on Facebook for more information. Our guest this morning is Ruth Perkins Lee, the Director of Ministries for the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. Ruth directs the Church Engagement Wing of CBF, along with shaping and coordinating each summer's General Assembly, as well as providing connections for ministers through uh, peer learning groups. Beyond all this, for the last six plus years, I have been graced with an extraordinary friendship and colleague in ministry. And I'm not alone. There are countless churches and clergy that have been impacted by Ruth's pastoral care, her ability to empower others to the full potential of their giftedness, and her inspiring leadership. Above all this, I've only found one flaw in Ruth, and that is each fall she finds her lips speaking the words, War Eagle. I hope you will receive her with as much grace as you received me. For the Baptist Women in Ministries, Martha Stern Marshall Month of Preaching, I wanted the University Baptist Church to experience the depth, the insight, the compassion, and spirit of my friend Ruth Perkins Lee. Please join me in welcoming her. Good morning and thank you. It is truly an honor to be here with you and I'm grateful to Andy Hale for the invitation. I got asked during the Sunday school hour, I think the only question I got from the group was, so how is church starts now that Andy has left? Are y'all still doing it? And I think my first response was, we're still really salty that he left us. I'm really salty feelings about this. However, I will say, one of the driving forces of CBF is to help create and sustain healthy ministers and healthy churches. So it is only to CBF's benefit for Andy to be here, to be among you. You are a fantastic congregation. So first, before we get any further, let me say thank you to you for the ways that you have partnered with CBF, not only in money, but also in time and in support. Uh, you have showed up at events. You have told our story. You have joined with us and with 1,800 churches to be the presence of Christ in this world, and I cannot thank you enough. Let's open with prayer. Oh God, all of your creatures join together today. We join our voices in singing and in praying, in reading scripture, in declaring your faithfulness to us and our faithfulness to you. Oh God, during this time, open our ears, open our eyes, open our mouths, and open our hearts. In your name we pray, amen. Paul Paul and Gaga lived three doors down from us. My husband's parents moved in about two and a half years ago, just around the corner, three houses down. Before we go any further, let me stop and say it's great. It's fantastic. I love it. It's wonderful. 
When I say that, that's not always the case that everybody thinks, but it honestly is true. It works really well for my family because my mother-in-law's love language is feeding people. I have two athletic children and a mom who travels a lot, and they get fed. There was a Sunday night a couple of years ago on the way home where all of a sudden it dawned on me, I had not been there in a while. And in a panicked voice, I said to my oldest child, oh no, we haven't been to your grandparents' house in a while, so they're gonna get their feelings hurt. My daughter is not known for her compassionate speech. She looked at me and said, you know we go eat there every night, you're not home, right? Um, I'll give you two guesses as to where they probably ate last night. But not only do they feed my family, they tell stories. They sit around the table and they tell tales. Gagas are true, pawpaws are tall. But my daughters hear about their grandparents' lives growing up. They hear about relatives they'll never meet from places that they'll never go but those stories form them, both in the hearing and in the internalizing of those stories and because it has shaped those two storytellers. It is storytelling at its best. I'm partial to the Gospels, I'll be really honest, because I love storytelling and they contain some amazing stories. The text for today, 1 Corinthians, isn't really known for its storytelling. However, we do get one. Today's text comes from 1 Corinthians 15, and right out of the gate, Paul explodes, full of energy, full of vigor, full of full force story. You can pick your tone when you hear this text. You might hear it as a kindergarten teacher or as a college professor or a scolding parent, or a close friend. No matter which one you pick, there is no denying that this is a non-negotiable conversation. Here, verses one and two. Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaimed to you, which you in turn received, and which you also stand, through which also you are being saved if you hold firmly to the message that I proclaim to you, unless you have come to believe in vain. Some of us got to spend a little time in the last hour together, and we talked about 1 Corinthians 12. So if we back up in 1 Corinthians a little bit, we find that the church is in some tension because they're talking about gifts of the Spirit, and they've tried to create a hierarchy of which gift is better and which is lesser. So in 12, Paul comes in full force and says, no, that's not how this works. All of these gifts are from God through Jesus and blessed by the Holy Spirit. The text continues on and he begins addressing some practices of modifying what's happening in the church to align with the community outside of it. And again, he says, no, we're not doing that. That is not what this is about. It leads right into the chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, most of us know, with phrases like, love is patient, love is kind. We read it in a really soft voice, love is patient, love is kind. That might not be the way Paul wrote it. Keeps on driving all the way into chapter 15, and Paul gets to the behaviors of the church, 
And then in verse 1, we hit the beliefs of the church. Paul's reminding them of the community that they share, the lives that they live together, the common experiences, the love that they have for one another. And when he arrives at this text, we get the beginning of the directions, the calling out of the beliefs of the Corinthians. Remind, proclaim, receive, stand. The next two verses address the conflict, the division, with a reminder of their core belief. Christ has died, Christ has been buried, and Christ has been resurrected. Hear these verses. For I handed on to you as of first importance what in turn I had received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. I would like to say that the church does really well with the gospel story. Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. That's the good news. It's fantastic news. It's what we learn from the time that we are introduced to the story of God's love. It's easy. It's memorable. It's bracketed and succinct. But Paul is writing like my fourth grader. He keeps going and going and going. There are commas and ands and thens. Verse 5. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. And we discover that it doesn't stop with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. The good news story, the gospel story, continues after the resurrection. Christ died, Christ was buried, was raised on the third day, and then he appeared to Cephas and the twelve and the five hundred brothers and sisters and James, the apostle, and Paul. All of that together is the good news. The death, the burial, the resurrection, the witness, and the storytelling. That's the good news. These particular verses follow Jesus and the people to whom he appeared. But what they don't follow are Cephas, and the 500, the 12, James, the apostle, and Paul. Because the list didn't stop with them. The stone in the pond with the ripples analogy fits here perfectly. The gospel ripples out touching shoreline far away from that original stone radiating out from the initial event, the death and burial, and most importantly, the life-changing resurrection that changes lives far beyond those three intertwined events. The good news is the ripples. It doesn't stop with us. And thankfully, it didn't stop with the storytellers before us. Paul goes on to name his own experience. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me has not been in vain. 
On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Telling his story, Paul describes his history, bearing witness to the transformative work of Jesus Christ in his own life. That beautiful and amazing and powerful story of the Damascus Road experience. But be careful. Let's pause for just a minute and remind ourselves that this is Paul's firsthand account of Paul's experience. It's not yours and it's not mine, nor should it be. The number of unique experiences is equal to the number who have encountered the risen Christ. The common denominator across all witnesses of all time is not the experience. The common denominator is the good news. It is the good news of the risen Christ, the teachings taught and lived, the voice he used to speak for others, the earthly form he took on, the divine presence he embodied. Love came down and was resurrected. That continues to be lived and told over and over again. Throughout Corinthians, the same theme keeps popping up. It happened in 12 and 13 and 14, and here we are again at 15. Faith is personal, but it is not private. We each have encounters with the divine, but those encounters and this faith requires community. Because of the instructions and the examples, there's pretty specific. Go ye therefore into the nations. Jesus appearing to the women at the tomb. When Jesus appeared to Cephas, the 500, James, the apostles, Paul. We sing about it as children, this little light of mine. Hide it under a bushel? No, I'm going to let it shine. It's personal, but it's not private. Because we can't help but tell it over and over and over again. It wells up within us, spilling out, bursting out all over the place because we got to tell the stories. Unlike the telephone game that whispers an innocuous statement from person to person with the intent to see how skewed it becomes, bearing witness to Jesus Christ gives firsthand accounts that become a part of a life-changing story. Adding layers of witnesses to the love of Christ, continuing the ripples of that one moment in time, the culmination of the resurrection after three crucial days. But adding our own witness requires the telling and the living of our own firsthand experiences. We have to receive the good news within our own beings. Bible commentator Lewis Gallo writes, Understand that the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection is not one more piece of information to add to the information overload from which many people suffer. Receiving the gospel is not simply giving assent to the articles of a creed. Receiving the gospel is not a matter of accruing one more good thing to a life that is already full of good things. Receiving the gospel is discovering in Christ a new center of existence, 
a new power of living, and a new perspective from which to view all things. So then it begs the question, how does the gospel change you? How has it changed you? How does it continue to do so? Sometimes it's kind of hard to see, to recognize something that becomes second nature to a lot of us. But there are a lot of faith stories in our lives. There are a lot of faith stories that are a part of our communities and a part of this world. There's a lot of living out of the gifts and skills that God has given us. So while you're thinking about how this gospel has changed you, how should it change you, how has it, how is it, how will it, let me tell you some stories of some good news gospel that is being lived out all over this world. The good news is Jeff and Alicia Lee working with the cow bank in Macedonia, providing milk and cheese and butter to pastors and congregations, not only for nourishment and sustenance, but for income as well. The good news is Jenny Jenkins in Haiti providing health care that saves lives. The good news is Kirk and Susie laboring alongside a faith community in Thailand, creating for the first time a written version of their language in order to write the Bible for the first time. It's the first time this community of faith has actually been able to hold the stories and read them for themselves. It took 18 years. The good news is Second Baptist Church in Liberty, Missouri. They've opened up a fair trade shop, collecting items for sale from CBF-filled personnel around this world. They've opened it just off the square, once a week and twice a week at the end of the month, adding layers and ripples to those lives who have already been changed by Christ. It's Augusta Heights Baptist Church in Greenville, South Carolina, joining with the police department, an African-American con congregation, and the apartment complex across the street. It's telling the good news by empowering the police officers to reward children and youth for good behavior with movie tickets and sporting events and gift certificates. It's the church opening up their gym on Friday night for pickup basketball games among the members of their congregation, the African-American congregation, the apartment complex, and the police department. And it's University Baptist Church. It's to Highland with love, reading friends, and encouragers, showing appreciation, the simple act of collecting box tops. It's Church of the Nations. The world has already arrived at your door, and you are answering God's call. It's Family Tree Cafe. Four days a week, cup of coffee, safe place for children, and relationships being built. These are your stories. Yours are the stories of medical supplies, of cows, of paint, of people. Your stories are the stories of paper and pen and personnel around this world. Yours are the stories of presence, of awareness, of facilities, of time, of books, 
of box tops. You're a partner with Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. You're changing the world in Macedonia and in Haiti. You've offered grants to churches that have enabled them to partner with other congregations, police departments, apartment complexes, food banks, community centers, other organizations. And you're a partner with this community. You're changing the lives of children and their parents. You're changing the lives of people from around this world. These are your stories. This is possible because of your faithful living out of God's calling on your life. This is possible because you have said yes to God and yes to the gifts that he has given you. So be proud of these stories. Tell them. Tell them to each other. Tell them in the hallways. Tell them in worship. Tell them in the fellowship hall. Tell them everywhere you go. Tell them to each other. That's the most crucial piece. Continue to tell the stories even when you think nobody's listening. Even when you think it doesn't matter. Because I promise you it does. Lewis Galloway goes on to say, Each believer stands as a link in the transmission of the gospel. Believers are not called to invent the gospel or to embellish the gospel. They are called to proclaim what they have received. The living witness of the church is manifest in the continuing worship of the church, the story of the scriptures, and the ongoing story of God's people today. You don't have to make it up. Tell what you know. Tell what you've experienced. Give witness to your life. Papa and Gaga tell the stories to their granddaughters, and their son learns something new every time. And he contributes what he experienced into the stories, continuing the ripples. The beautiful thing about this kitchen table, when my children were baptized, both of them, each independently, asked their grandfather to read their faith stories to the community. Gospel traditions are passed among community, among the world, and through the generations. So tell your stories, live your stories, even if it's with fear and trembling, even if it's full of confidence and vigor, even if it's with certainty or without. Winston Churchill is famous for a quote he paraphrased. Those who fail to learn from history are condemned to repeat it. But the church, as usual, flips that on its head. I believe the church says, those who fail to learn from history will fail to repeat it, both in stories and in deeds.